Welcome to JSA TV Europe, together with the Greener Data Movement for this quarter's live event focused on European digital infrastructure sustainability. I'm Jean-Marc Lehmann. Joining me today is John Booth, Chair of Energy Efficiency Group at Data Center Alliance. And John, it's a pleasure speaking to you. Um, we were just chatting and saying how long it's been <laughs> since we last saw one another. <laughs> Indeed. And I am missing the budget for you, Jao. So um, can we hurry this along, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, let, let, let's get on to it then. Uh, we're here to talk about data center sustainability, but I think sometimes a key question that gets left out is what is data center sustainability? What does this whole thing mean? Well, sustainability is basically meeting the needs of the present without impacting on the needs of future generations. And um, in the data center context uh, and the wider ICT context, that's actually quite a problematic statement because we are extracting um, around 50 rare earth minerals on the periodic table and we're processing them, we're making composites out of them and we're putting them into IT equipment, um, which are then used for uh, three or four years, maybe up to five, seven years in the case of service, which is 15. Um, and then once we've we finished with them, we kind of, it appears that we're putting them into containers and shipping them off to third world countries for processing. Um, and this, this is obviously not sustainable in any way, shape or form. Mm. Um, so there needs to be some work, more work done, I think, um, by the ICT companies in terms of recovering and recycling those components. And of course, what that would ultimately mean is they will have to start to redesign the components because they'll need to be able to extract them. And using composites and layers is quite problematic to actually extract those rare earths hmm. That's interesting. And at the same time we, we've got um we're using transport energy and in-use energy to power all these components throughout literally the whole life cycle hmm. yeah and i think what you say about the whole life cycle i think that's where the discussion has been moving slightly towards now um in a positive sign that things are actually shifting in a good direction because um, people do forget this is a circular economy people do forget that this is a loop um, and we need to fix it, um, not just one end. Yeah, and, and there has been some great work being done by some of the European um, Commission working groups. There's loads of projects on the circular economy. There's Sadachi, um, I believe uh, my colleague uh, WeLoop as well. You know, so this is all there, but it, 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 this is really just proof of concept um, mm. and some small kind of not at scale delivery mechanisms. We're doing quite a lot in the UK, actually. I was talking to Andy Gomersall from MS2 last week, and he was telling me that they're, they're building a plant in Cambridge to, to recover components from old ICT kit. And the more deliveries and shipments of old stuff he gets, the better and happier he'll be because he'll be able to produce some, some really good, um, you know, remanufactured raw materials for, for future use. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then I, I read one of your recent blogs, um, and I think it was in Tech UK, uh, published on Tech UK website. Um, are you, and it was around the, the need to, and you've already kind of talked, uh, touched on it, is around the need of um, passing on a little bit of this to the user and how we deliver ICT to the user uh, and changing a little bit things around. Are you of the opinion that we need to fundamentally rethink um, how ICT is delivered to the end user? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're. Um 
you know, we're still using circuits and componentry today that was basically developed in the latter half of the 20th century. Um, and we're kind of building on old, old technology. And I think that with, with the knowledge that we've gained now, we can start to use new materials and, and actually start to design for circularity and recovery. Um, but we're not there yet by a long way. Hmm. Okay, so if we look into the data center space, for example, what do you think would be the main three priorities that operators and people should be focusing right now um, to at least make some stronger push in the short term? Yeah, well, you know, I've been talking about this for a long time now. And, <laughs> um, you know, we're still designing data centers to to the designs of the of the 1960s. Um, I, I, I visit quite a few data centers. As you know, I do assessments. I've been to data centers all around the world. Um, and I've got actually I've got an old data center quite close to where I live, which um, is in the Midlands of the UK. And that was built in 1977. Wow. And um, we went out there uh, about three or four years ago on behalf of the landlord because the existing uh, incumbent was planning or they had a break clause in their lease. And they wanted to see how much it was uh, you know, valued or what they needed to do with it. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I visited a a fairly brand new data center down in um, in Farnborough, and to be honest, there wasn't there wasn't that much difference between the layout and the concept and the design and the equipment within, and that's you know forty nearly fifty years wow. difference between them, and and no real fundamental change. And then I started looking into it um, from an automotive perspective, and so I thought I'd look at the nineteen seventy seven Fiesta. Uh, that was the first year that it was actually um, on sale in the UK. And then I looked at the 1921 Fiesta and, and they are two completely different beasts. You know, um, the, the, um, the new Fiesta has got a smaller engine, which is more powerful. It's got a better interior. It's got better aerodynamics and shaping. Uh, it's got a better in-car entertainment. It's a connected vehicle. It can connect to the internet and all this sort of thing. Um, but the difference was really stark and if you compare that to the two designs of the two data centers there had been no innovation literally no innovation and i think we need to start to think about how we build and operate data centers moving forward yeah. and luckily for us you know um, there are some things coming down the pipeline which uh, which should have a fundamental impact on how they do that so, uh, well, the question that's coming to my mind is like, if you have to describe the data center of the future um, or the ideal data center where this whole innovation has happened, how would you envision that place to be? I, I was going to say 2050, but that's probably too far down the line. We need to do it beforehand. Well, yeah, I often say that as well. You know, if in order to meet our 2030 goals, we, we've only got seven years left. And if we want to meet our 2050 goals, we've got 27 years left. Yeah. So fundamentally, I think we're going to have to start thinking about the shell and core. So, you know, this is from a building point of view, an actual construction point of view. So less steel, or if we are going to be using steel, then make sure it's uh, relatively carbon free steel. So there's a, a new steel plant that's just opened in um, Sweden, which is using hydrogen. Um, and that brings down the actual emissions of, uh, you know, a cube meter of steel considerably. The same with concrete. Uh, we need to be thinking about using different binders and fillers and eco concretes for the base. Uh, and then we look at the actual internal panels and everything. You know, there are other construction materials that are more recyclable, more nature in effect um, mm. that can be used, which do have 
some quite interesting properties, uh, damp prevention and fire retardant um, in these materials. Um, and then, of course, we've got to look at the the mechanical and electrical engineering. Um, you know, um, I think if, if you were to if you were to take a kilowatt of energy that comes out of a power station, by the time it gets to the actual working part of the server, which is the chip, it's lost something like ninety nine point five percent of its uh, of the energy so only 0.9 only 0.5 percent actually gets to the chip yeah that's a terrible number to say to somebody if you said that oh yeah we're, we're wasting 99.5 percent on energy quite rightly people will be up in arms it's like um running a jaguar on the front lawn uh with the key and the ignition and the engine on just just mm. in case you need to go down to the shop um you know it, it's just madness yeah, it's, it's what happens as well in the, the energy space. We always talk about energy production is easy. Uh, it's the transport of it as well. Uh, that's where a lot of energy is wasted. Um, Absolutely. So, um, you know, in, in that power chain, we are we're transforming from the DC that's created in the power station itself. We're pumping up to high tension lines. We're boosting it. We're taking it down via step down transformers. Um, and then we have a transformer right at the, you know, at the entrance to the data center. And then we put it through all of our uh, power backup and uh, generators. Uh, and then it goes through more and more transformers until it gets to the rack itself. And then the power cable is plugged into back at the server. And, oh, look, there's another transformer there that's taking it down from 240 volts AC in the UK down to minus plus 12 volts DC. So, you know, there's a humongous amount of waste. And I think that data centers not need to start thinking about direct current hmm. and i think that they should be able to look at using solar panels and other renewable energy sources on site uh, hmm. so that we can be taken off the grid hmm. okay uh, and then i mean the natural follow-up question does come down to regulations and, and you were actually a reviewer um for the european union code of conduct for data centers uh, around energy efficiency you're probably one of the, the most knowledgeable people um, on the continent around data center energy usage um, for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I mean, <laughs> tell us about, uh, it's not so much about the role of regulations, but maybe your take on the up-and-coming regulations and how is that going to impact uh, the market? Yeah, so there's there's three pieces of legislation that are coming down the line. Two of them are already in force. So we've got the um, what is known as the EU taxonomy. And in the compass for the EU taxonomy, it specifically references uh, the code of EU code of conduct or its standardised equivalent, which is um, 99-1. And of course, um, it also required um, that the refrigerant gases used in data centre cooling should have a global warming potential of less than 675. And that's by no means prevalent. Only uh, one or two gases are actually below that. Uh, but the installed estate across Europe is kind of using the other refrigerant gases so they will need to be a, a bit of a um, rethink about how they go about that hmm. um, there's also a requirement for an independent audit of that data center every three years and this was the subject of a considerable amount of angst last last year so i was actually on uh, two meetings that were held in may um, where where the community and some of the auditing firms were discussing how they could audit to the taxonomy requirements. 
um, because the code of conduct as written is is very much um, you shall consider and evaluate. They're very very soft yeah. uh, in terms of of thinking, um, and of course you can't you can't audit a, a consider. <laughs> it's impossible. You know you've either you're giving you know, all the choice. With, yeah. yeah, with considering something, you you look at the options, and but you also have the choice of doing nothing because you're yeah. just considering. Um, so. As a result of that conversation uh, and the discussions we had, uh, DG Connect from the Commission uh, commissioned the uh, Tick Council, which is the global body for uh, certifying bodies. So they they look after the likes of Bureau Veritas, BSI, SGS, uh, and all those kind of uh, companies that do ISO audits to create an auditable version of the Code of Conduct. Hmm. Um, so. We spent probably through September through to December uh, looking at the Code of Conduct, expected best practice, of which there are 106, and we've basically rewritten them um, so into a standards format. So instead of consider, it's like the organisation shall consider. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that, that means that there's an auditable paper trail for so that when the independent auditor comes in, he can actually see that it has been done. And it's not just a verbal discussion that they had down the pub one night. Mm-hmm. Um, that taxonomy uh, framework is scheduled to be published this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, although, very timely. <laughs> very timely. Although there may be some delay because I, I was looking at the, the to be draft published um, on Monday and noticed an error, which we're taking some more um, advice mm-hmm. on. But yeah. it's it's due to be published very soon, and and what that will do, it will make um, data centres have to do this independent audit every three years, uh, and then publish the results on their website, and and then you know, it's buyer beware, caveat emptor. Um, if somebody wants to locate their stuff in in that particular data centre or use a cloud service from a, one of the hyperscalers, then they'll have all the information to hand. Hmm. That links back to the corporate sustainability reporting di- uh, directive. So that then falls on everybody else. So they have to report their scope one, scope two, and scope threes, and they should be asking data centers what proportion of the data center scope one and scope two and scope three is applicable to their particular instance. And that's why I think that could be that's going to be problematic because mm-hmm. most of the data centers operators are only calculating scope one and scope two. Um, and then how do you apportion the scope one and scope two across um, a colo site, for instance, where you may have multiple customers? Easier to do in a single cloud instance or an enterprise data center because all of the IT belongs to you. But, you know, if you're using a caged environment or a colo environment, how do you how do you account for the proportion of the data center overhead for a particular customer? And then last but not least is the recast of the energy efficiency directive. Um, and we've been having discussions on that uh, over the last couple of weeks as well. And that basically um, requires independent reporting by the data centers to an as yet unnamed uh, commission function or national government function for at least four elements, which is the total energy consumption, the amount of that which is derived from renewables, water usage and energy waste heat uh, reuse as well. Hmm. 
that one is still very much um, in the balance. There is a lot of dialogue going on uh, between, you know, I like the commission because it basically uh, reaches out to all of its stakeholders and says, right, you know, this is what we're proposing. What do you think? And then there's a howl of anguish. And then they go back to the drawing board and recast it and they throw it out again. And, we, and this keeps going on until everybody's happy or happy-ish. Yeah, I, I, sometimes the, the the back and forward just take a little bit too long. Um, do, do you guys have a, a time set for when it needs to be done? Well, it needs to be published by um, it, the, the requirement from the EP for the uh, EED is that it's in place so that companies are reporting in 2025 their 2024 okay. data. So they would, they it has to be done by the end of the year. Okay, coming coming months we're going to hear more about it. Um, and Sorry, um, I was going to say then, just because I'm just conscious of time as well. This is very interesting, especially with the regulation side. Everyone is interested in regulations this year. Um, but um, so, just talking now about you a little bit. What are you up to apart from all you just said? Of course, <laughs> I mean, there's Data Center Alliance, there's Carbon IT, um, there's yeah. a few other things that are involved with. Give us a spiel of what you're going to be working on um, for the rest of the year beyond these regulations that you just mentioned. Okay, so for Carbon 3 IT Limited, which is my main company, we've got a couple of assignments at the moment. So we're working with um, the largest data centre construction project in Europe at the moment, and we're providing real-time carbon footprinting, and that's an ongoing assignment. So we're um, we're assisting them with all, all things sustainability, as it were. We're also doing that for a 5G uh, wireless broadband provider in the north of England, and we continue our work with... Um, our Swedish clients and Nordic clients are uh, basically on regulations and steering them and helping them to understand mm -hmm. what's happening. From a data centre alliance perspective, um, we are obviously the energy efficiency specialist group is right on the case with uh, all of the regulations. And we're looking at interesting um, kind of collaborations uh, around the dissemination of that to the user community, mm -hmm. both in the operators and the supply chain. And we also have another business, which is the National Data Centre Academy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a, a training business. And uh, what we've noticed from the training that's available pre and post pandemic is that a lot of the training is what I like to call death by PowerPoint in a classroom. Um, and you never get the chance to actually look at around a data centre. They're usually in hotels. Um, mm -hmm. Which, which makes it difficult when the instructor introduces a concept and you can't really feel it or touch it. I mean, at the end of the day, most of the people that work in data centers, uh, technical staff are engineers. So they learn better from doing, feeling, touching. I mean, I always say you wouldn't get, you wouldn't trust a mechanic to service your car if he'd been trained over YouTube. Um, but we seem to want to do that with data centers. Um, and during the pandemic, it was death by PowerPoint over Zoom. Um, you know, which again is, is quite interesting. Um, <laughs> so, so the concept of the academy uh, is, and we're hopefully heard, hearing out some more information this week, is we have actually found an old uh, workplace recovery site, um, which would obviously have been used for disaster recovery and business continuity in the past. But obviously because of pandemic, we've realized that actually all you need to do is give somebody a laptop and make sure they've got high speed connection. So this particular building has a, a tier three data center in the basement and uh, it's got a load of training rooms or what would have been offices on the on the mezzanine floor. So 
our hope is to use the tier three training as an actual physical training facility so people can come in and, and understand the hot and cold card on set uh, concept they can look at the inner guts of a air conditioning crack unit they can look at chillers they can look at the powertrain they can they can actually do mains failure without fear of impacting on anybody's operation we're going to have um, most of the it kit within it will be a mixture of heat load and recovered refurbished it equipment running emulator mm-hmm. software so to all intents and purposes it will be um a, you know it will have the feel the taste the smell the noise of a data center um and, and we're also going to in, look at new concepts like we'll probably have a lot of immersed compute solutions there for training purposes mm-hmm. and also we'll be looking at fuel cells for primary and backup power um, and we'll also be looking at um, having some battery energy storage and we'll probably put some solar arrays on the roof so we really want to test all of the up-and-coming concepts that we think we're going to be using for data centers and there's an opportunity for people to um, to demonstrate their products there so one of the other things is it's going to be a kind of semi-permanent showcase. So, you know, we were at Data Center World last week. I don't know if you were there, Yao, Jao. No, um, I didn't go this year, no. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it was, a re- it was a great event. There was lots of things going on. Um, and I got chatting to a few of the standholders, and I was saying, you know, how much are you paid, paying to be here? And even the smallest company, it was the thick end of 20 grand. Wow. So for 20 grand, they can have for two days – in the, in the academy, they can have 240 days. And it's a place where they can store their equipment. They're going to be visible to all of the delegates coming through. Because obviously, not all of the target markets have the time to visit the big trade shows. So we're missing out um, on a, a significant proportion of people that are owning and operating server mm-hmm. routes, really. Um, so that gives them a better visibility of the products that are out there. Because, you know, we, we have to continue. Last but not least, we're also working on a um, – they've just changed the name, but it was a BAE, so Department of Business, Energy, Innovation and Skills, and now it's the Energy Security and Net Zero Department on something called the Ticker Project, which is the Transformation Industrial Cooling and Refrigeration. Okay. And what we're doing there is we're undertaking surveys of data centre cooling systems, um, which has actually proven to be really interesting. So of the five surveys we've done to date, we've identified uh, significant potential energy savings up to 25%, and in some cases more, just by doing some minor tweaks uh, to the condensing and evaporating temperatures and also some um, installation practices in the, mm. that, that were prevalent in the past that are really no longer prevalent now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that if the rest of the project goes well, um, that should have a significant benefit to UK PLC. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and then, John, I mean, everything you say just adds to the interesting list because you've got your finger in so many different pies and important pies as well. This is not just any random pie. Um, <laughs> you still got 10 of them. Um, yes. But um, <laughs> um, I was going to say, if people want to reach out to you um, very quickly, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to get in touch? Well, we're on LinkedIn. Um, all of our contact details and information there. We have our own website, www.carbonfreeit.com. Um, Twitter, at CarbonFreeIT Limited. We normally attend most of the trade events, so I will be in Monaco this year. 
I've actually been invited to speak on data center legislation and sustainability at Data Center World in Austin, in Texas. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that one because I've been to Austin a few times and it's a great city for live music. And um, having all of, those, all of those data center guys down there will be uh, will be an interesting uh, week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on, you can't go wrong in Austin because it's it's really nice. You The streets there with the bars and everything. <laughs> it's know, quite a but, lively yeah. city. <laughs> it is a very lively city. Um, John, as always, it's a great pleasure speaking to you. We, we must catch up at some point in the coming weeks um, in person. Uh, yep. But uh, thank you for coming on board for JSA TV. Uh, and as for your home, thank you for watching. And uh, don't forget to check our social channels for more content. Until next time, happy networking. Thank you. Thank you.